All right, how y'all doing tonight? How about that worship? Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. All right, for those of you guys, who, those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Zach. I'm the intern over here at, for high school this semester, and I know a lot of you guys got to know me over the past year as I was out at our former West Campus. I talked to you guys at Rush, and so a lot of you guys have gotten to know me. Um, and if you have ever listened to me teach, I use the Bible a lot. So if you ha who has their Bibles? Amen. Cool. All right, go ahead and get them out. Um, and you guys can flip with me, but go ahead and turn to Ephesians 4. Hey, for those of you guys that don't have a Bible, we're, if you don't personally own a Bible, not if you don't have one tonight, if you personally do not own one, we're get, we have some out at the uh, Next Steps table outside. So if you need one tonight, go pick one up because we, we want that to be our gift um, for you guys to take home. All right. So I'm going to start with Ephesians 4.1. That's, that's kind of our verse for the year. It won't be up there, but I'll read it for you. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called. All right. That's kind of what we've been talking about for the past few weeks, a uh, couple weeks that we've been here. We're talking about, obviously, the YOLO series. You only live once. So um, tonight, I don't know how many of you guys were here last week, but if you remember, Todd talked about maturity and, and how we're all moving to a maturity in Christ. So we're just going to keep on rolling with these set of verses here, and we're going to move on to the next little bit. So now we're in Ephesians 4, 17 is where we're going to start tonight. Um, so kind of what we're going to go through tonight is this, this idea of what I'm going to call, it's called holiness. And, and it's holiness is a, as far as Todd talked about us maturing in Christ and it's, it's growing up in your faith. It's coming from a baby to an adult in your faith. It's, it's coming from one extreme to another in your faith. So you're walking through this life and you're constantly in this, this gradual growth uh, through your life. So Todd talked about last week what that looks like. And, and basically what we're going to talk about tonight is what maturity is. And, and I want to get it straight real quick because not we're all not going to be on the same page with maturity. Some of us are going to be new. Some of us are, are, are maybe not even be believers. Some of us have only been believers for a little while. And then you've got some people that have been walking with the Lord for a long time. Um, so if you got, who is at Rush in June? All right. If you remember my message that I taught in, at Rush, this is just going to be part two to that. So we're just going to pick back up where we left off then. All right, so Ephesians 4, 17, let's start there. And for those of you that don't have your Bible, we'll be up here for the rest of the way. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become colluse and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. All right, so that is brutal, and we'll stop there. All right, and, and one thing I want to start with tonight, because if you guys know me for a minute, if you ever listen to me teach, I want to make sure that we start off right, because a set of verses like these three verses would be what a lot of people will take and then turn it out of context, and they'll start teaching this whole thing backwards. Uh, and I want to start off with, lead, can y'all leave those verses up for me as we go, please? Um, so... We're going to start with these verses and what it talks about and what, what Paul's getting to as far as who he's talking to. So he says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And, and one thing that I want you guys to understand, Gentiles in this context means non-believers of the time. And, and if you take these verses and you twist them tonight, you're going to be absolutely backwards on how our faith works and what we believe and who Jesus is. Um, because if you stop right there and read those verses, what you read in those three verses is don't do this because you're different than everybody else. So you have to change yourself to be better and be, be approved of by God 
And that's kind of what those three verses look like right there. So if you stop at 17, 18, and 19, you're going to fall way off the tracks. Um, So tonight I just want to bring us back and understand how our affections are stirred towards holiness when it comes to a change of actions. What changes our lives? What changes our hearts? And who is the responsible person in the party for the change in our lives? From an immature, maybe not even believer, to someone who is very, very loving of the Lord, that that knows the Lord well, that walks with the Lord faithfully, and their lives might look a little bit different than ours. And so the first problem I want to talk about is this idea of your mind and your hearts being, being don't, not where they need to be. In verse 17, it talks about the futility of the mind. Futile is a word that means useless or ineffective. So what Paul's saying here is, hey, don't be like the Gentiles who are useless in their minds. Don't be like these people who, who are really doing nothing with themselves. And what this means is these people's hearts and their minds are not set on things that matter. They're set on useless things. And one of the things that I love in the world is you, you have kind of like, and I'm deal, I deal with a lot of high school students and there's a couple of them in particular. And a lot of kids think they get your age and they start thinking they're so much smarter than everybody else. Um, you get to your age and you think that you have just lived it and done it all and that you are just a mathematician, a scientist, and, and a writer as well. So you start thinking that, that you know all of these things. And, and what Paul's talking about here is these people that think they're smarter than everybody else. All right, it's these people that kind of have turned their own ways in the futility of their minds, and and they're, they're backwards in their thinking. And so just go back and let's read 18. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. So the first thing I want you to understand about holiness tonight, remember the word holiness, that's our key topic. Holiness is not a problem of the outside actions, it's a problem of a heart and mind not set on the right things. Because once you start thinking that holiness and your way to stand before God as clean is from your outside actions, you've gone the wrong way. You've fallen off in error. And so Paul is clearly saying in these passages, hey, don't be like the Gentiles who are wrong in their minds and in their hearts. He's not talking about their actions yet. He's talking about their minds and their hearts. So when God calls us into this relationship with Christ, he didn't necessarily come up to clean up the outside actions. He came and is coming for our hearts. So he's coming for you, for what you love. He's coming for who you are as a person. He's coming for what you hope for. He's coming for for what your affections are toward. He is not coming to clean you up as an outside person. I talked to East Paulding High School like two Fridays ago. And I made sure and I told the students there, I said, you are not better than anyone else in this school because you're at FCA. You're not. You're you're not better than anybody else because you act better than everyone. You've just been saved by the mercy and grace of Jesus alone, and that's it. All right? So let's remember that tonight as we go forward. Let's go to verse 20. I didn't want to spend much time there. The only thing I want you guys to really understand about those three verses are it's a heart issue and a mind issue. So we're turning from our old ways of our heart and mind. And that'll kind of shape out what we're going to do for the rest of the night. In verse 20, Paul takes a big shift, and that's to Jesus. All right? That's, that's typically the way Paul goes. All right, verse 20, but that is not the way you learn who? Christ. You guys can read along with me. Don't be afraid. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So Paul is saying those things that the other people did are not 
the way you learn Jesus. He's not saying that's not the way you learn to clean yourself up. He's saying it's not the way you learn Christ. So there's a shift that happens in this whole verse. And what Paul's saying is, hey, shift your minds to Christ. Shift your thoughts to Jesus. Shift your hearts to Jesus and what he's done for you. That's how you learn Christ. Shift your minds to him. Think about him. Meditate on Jesus, all that he's done for you. Think about Jesus all the time. And that's kind of what Paul's saying here. Because when Jesus calls us, when he calls us to himself, when Christ saves us, when Christ brings you into this relationship with him, he wants you to fall madly in love with him. He wants you to do like we were doing in these songs and just go absolutely wild for him. Just sing to him, dance for him, shout to him, clap for him, go crazy. He wants you to be in love with him. Christ does not want you for your outside actions. He wants you for your heart. He wants you for your heart. He wants you to fall in love with him and see how bad you need him. We don't work ourselves to Jesus. We don't. We don't work our way there. It's a gift of grace from God. And the one thing, I, when I was studying these texts, and he says, that's not the way you learn Christ. And, and so the first question that comes to my head is, well, how does somebody learn Christ? How did you learn Christ? What do you know about Christ? How do you feel about Christ? Who taught you about him? And, and so when I was thinking about this and I was studying the passages, I came across this text I was reading in Matthew 11. And this is Jesus talking. And, and in Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29, This is Jesus saying, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, hey, come to me, all you that think you have to work so hard to me. Come to me, all you who don't have hope. Come to me, all you who are depressed. Come to me, all who are despised, who don't have hope, don't have a future. Come to me and I will give you rest. He wants us to come to him. Come to him like a loving dad. He says, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. He doesn't say, come to me and work your butts off to please me. He says, come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. I will give you everything you need. And this is who Jesus is. This is how we know him. And I think there's been a shift in the church over probably the past, I don't even, it's been a long time. It's been this idea of, you have to be good enough for God to love you. And, and, and growing in your faith and to be holy, you have to work. Like once you're saved, you have to get to work. You just have to start serving in every ministry. You have to start giving all your money to everyone you've ever met. You have to feed homeless every Saturday. You have to do these things for God to still love you. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, no, come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. Come to me and I will give you peace, I will give you rest. He's not calling us for that, all right? So the things Paul talked about earlier from a hardened heart, a heart that's not set on Christ, a heart that doesn't really have any true affections or love for God, and that's what Paul's talking about. So in our pursuit of holiness, the only true thing we need to do is to run towards Jesus, The only thing we have to do is run after Jesus. The only thing we do is look to Jesus and everything else falls into place. The only thing we do when when we're struggling in our sin battles and and our flesh is just against us and everything is up against the wall and we don't feel like like God loves us and we don't feel like we have a, a relationship with him, we run to Jesus. 
The next verse we're going to go to is Hebrews um, 12, 1 and 2. And I'm going to bring my great friend Spencer up here for an illustration. Um, And let me read this verse to you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which entangles so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. All right. Set you up here. This isn't going to go as easy as I wanted it to because now I got this. You want to help me out? You want me to hold that? You hold that. Let's give it up for Spencer, everybody. What, what I want you guys to get out of this picture is what I just put around Spencer's neck are little chains. Um, and it was a good thing to see me in Home Depot yesterday looking like a fool trying to cut chains with a bolt cutter in the middle of the aisle. But what I want us to look at is I want, I want this to be our lives before, like, before Christ saves us, okay? And, and then I want this red light down here to be the end of our lives, to being when we, we meet Christ face to face, all right? And so all through, the li- all through our lives, like that verse talks about, what Jesus is telling us to do for holiness, and th- this whole chain of events is going to represent holiness, how our lives become more and more like Jesus, how we look more and more like Christ, how our lives, how we get rid of the sin issues that we have, how we get rid of the problems that we have before we were saved, and we're going to illustrate that. And so what happens is as we're walking through this life and we're fixed, our eyes are fixed on Christ, chains just start falling off. We start pressing into Jesus and chains continue to fall off. We press into Christ. We only look to Jesus, and chains fall off, and chains fall off. And there's Jesus. All right. Here we go. So the, the thing with holiness, the thing with holiness, the thing with growing in our faith, the thing I, guys, I want you guys to understand is we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus alone. Don't look to yourselves for the answer. Don't look to your own works for the answer. Look to Christ alone. He is the one for the glory. He gets the glory. He gets the praise. We run in absolute pursuit of Christ and who he is. And because in our lives, you will be overcome with problems. When we get saved, when we come into this relationship with Jesus, life doesn't automatically just go our way every time. We still face problems. We still have hurts and pains. And there's a lot of you guys that deal with stuff like that. But when we look to Jesus, chains fall off. They continually fall off. Sin is going to try and keep you down. But we just look to Jesus for everything. We stand in awe of who he is. We stand in awe of what he has done for us. We look to him And we grow, and we grow, and we grow, and we grow in this life, and chains fall off. We look to Jesus alone. And let's get back into Ephesians 4. We're going to finish up this passage. Back to 4. We're going to be in 22. And he's saying, this is not the way you learn Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, 
in true righteousness and holiness. So the turning point, the shifting point for our lives is when our hearts and our minds and our affections are pursuing the things of God. When we are running after Jesus, when he is the one you're after, when he is the one you're chasing, we put on this new self. If you guys that were at Rush, remember, we talked about that you're dead to your old self. You have this old self, and you are not identified with that person anymore, but instead, you are running towards this new life. And that's what Paul is talking about here. And look at verse 25 through 29. We're going to finish up this passage like this. Paul starts naming out these actions that he tells these guys to put away. And when when people study this text, and when I first looked at it, I was like, man, Paul is just telling them not to do this and not to do this. But let's look at the motives behind Paul's actions here in 25 to 29. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. All of these actions stem from a heart that is looking after the good of other people, that is mimicking, imitating what Christ has done for us. In that first one, he says, don't do these because you're one member, you're one body. In 26, he says, be angry so you don't give an opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. Why do we no longer steal? To have reason to give to others in need. All of these actions are from a mind and a heart that are set on Christ. Everything we pursue needs to revolve around Jesus. With you guys, I don't want you to, to think with holiness that we're, we're running after just this life of better actions. God calls us, and he will change us. God is serious about us being holy. In Ephesians 1, we'll get to that later in the series, but he says he, he is going to make us holy before him. He is going to. He is after that. That is his mission for his glory. He will make us holy. All we do is cling to him. All we do is run to him. All we do is look to him. We pursue him. We, we go his way. And then we're there. It doesn't take a lifetime uh, of, of work. It does, you don't have to serve at enough events. You run to Jesus. And the thing I want you to, to really see about holiness is when, when your heart is set on Christ, the actions just line themselves up. It is a natural outpouring of what God in Christ has done for you. So when your heart and your mind are set on Jesus, your life reflects what he's done for you. When you're so overwhelmed by the grace of God and what he's done for you in Christ, when you understand that we didn't deserve Jesus, but he came for us anyways, your life just reflects what he has done for you. That's all we have to do is look to him and everything else lines itself up. All we do is run to him and chase him and pursue him. We run, run, run with endurance. So I just want us to think for a couple of minutes about what we've been struggling with, what we've been fighting through, what we've been dealing with in our lives. I want you to think about some, some, some ways that sin has gotten to you, some ways that sin has entangled you, some way, that, some, some way things have just beaten you up. I just want you to think about those things for a minute. Think about how you're struggling. And then I want you just to, just to 
beg God tonight. Say, God, I just need you, and I know this will all work out. I just need to run towards you and lay this stuff aside, and I pursue you and you alone. I'm going to pray for us, and I just want us to take a minute and reflect on what we're doing tonight. I just want you guys to put your heads down for just a minute, and then we'll pray, and the band will come up. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are and what you do for us, for how you love us, God, how you give to us. And I just pray over these students, I pray that their hearts would be stirred up to the things of you. Jesus, we just look to you tonight. We come before you. God, we thank you for for loving us. We thank you for giving to us. We thank you for, for sending your son to die for us. We thank you for the grace in your heart. We thank you for the mercy and, and the love of who you are. God, we just want to run to you, God. I pray that these students would run to you in their struggles, run to you in their sin, run to you in their shame. They would just run and pursue you alone. God, we, we love you. We thank you for all that you do for us. I pray that tonight that you would just open up our hearts to see you more, that we would pursue you with a more, just more passion. God, that we would run to you always. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.